Hi everyone, happy February. Welcome to Week Notes by Instill. I'm joined this week by Gary Irwin, designer, and Ross Jenkins, associate software engineer. This episode was recorded in the last week of January. Sorry for the delay in releasing it. I was busy with the day job and didn't get much editing time. We talk about the usual stuff, developer fashion, front-end design, travel, the return to the office, and hedge funds. Hope you enjoy. Let's get to it. I can't remember the last time I had like a 20-minute conversation with someone who wasn't my partner. <laughs> I know, tell me about it. I am going mag climbing the walls here. Like You you both live, you were both in Belfast? I only moved into Belfast about six months before we went into lockdown as well. So I was like, well, chuffed about moving back into town because I'd lived, I was in Edinburgh for uni. So I loved like being back in the city. And then I got back home and was in Lisbon and was like, this feels like the middle of nowhere, even though it was only about 15 minutes outside of Belfast. So as well, chuffed to move into Belfast because I thought there'd be more to do. I'd be able to get out and see the place and like go for a wander around town and all. And then the pandemic hit and I'm not being able to leave my flat for like the last year. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, a, I'm in the same boat. Like I moved in here with my partner at the time and we were kind of going, Ak, we'll be on the Antrim Road, it'll be grand, we can just drive anywhere. And now I'm stuck here, <laughs> can't go anywhere. I think um, since me and her are split, we're going to try, I'm going to try and move down into the middle of town and when this does eventually lift i can go to the pub again and i'm gonna be so happy yeah it's the little things ross you went to edinburgh university i did yeah what did you study there i went to edinburgh well i studied computer science okay yeah so yeah fond memories of appleton tower seems like a nice spot but i've never been to edinburgh i don't even think i've been in scotland before So how'd you get anywhere? Surely you get the ferry across the Strand Rar and Absolutely not, no. <laughs> I think uh, when I went to Sweden in 2013, we went down south and took a boat over to Wales and then the train from Kent to France and then drove up that way. Cool. So I, I actually don't think I've been in Scotland ever. After this all blows over, you need to get yourself over to Scotland. Yeah, I did. Cross over. the border in the Irish Sea. Yeah. There's, a, there's a really famous club called the Cat House and uh, it's where all the, the dudes that listen to metal go to and i'm dying to go to it now yeah edinburgh's my favorite city i lived in glasgow as well and it's totally different it's yeah. like it's like belfast on steroids it's wild yeah because I, I i only stayed in glasgow for a summer because i had an internship with jp morgan completely different place like again it is like a mass it's like a big belfast culturally and everything an internship with jp morgan you, you didn't think yeah. that you'd want to stay and be a banker <laughs> absolutely not <laughs> it was kind of a weird one because the culture, they wanted it to be, like, within the tech side of the business, they tried to make it as techy as possible. Then they were like, yeah, but you don't have to wear a suit to the office, so it's basically like working for Facebook. And I didn't like it at all. <laughs> it was really weird. It was still a good experience. Like, Yeah. I guess the question is whether you'd actually want to work for Facebook. I would take it for, the like, the money and the perks. <laughs> yeah, but could you live with the guilt? <laughs> no, exactly. I'd have to try and find a way to sleep at night. Okay. And... Uh... So we've got your history now, Ross. Carrie, what's your history? My history? Oh, no. Um, <laughs> You've never been to Scotland, so... I have um... never been to Scotland. Um, <laughs> no, I grew up skateboarding and playing in bands and stuff like that. So there was always the question, who can do this gig poster and who can do this? And I had a crack copy of Photoshop at the time, so I was like, I, I'll do it. Found out that I really, really liked like doing wee silly graphic design. Here we are later. I 
been to art school, even though I wasn't allowed to do art in school. Um, yeah, that now worked as a designer. It's a weird, weird world we live in. I remember you'd said you, in a previous life you were a professional CSGO player as yes, well. Yes, I was, yeah, but we don't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, I, uh, when I left school, I didn't really know what I wanted to do with myself, so I was really good at playing video games and met a guy one day who's like, do you want to come over and play with us and join our team and, and I was like yeah sure why not and uh, a year later I came home because it was horrible and had to ask my mom to lend me money <laughs> so so there's no chance of you being Mr. Beast then absolutely not <laughs> I wish I wish I could be what's his name Jimmy isn't it yeah, I, but yeah. Nah. my kids watch him and I do not understand where he gets the money to go and buy 50 cars and just give them away. How does that it's, work? It's all it's, it's all not... sponsorship deals and that mad merch shop that he has. Like, yeah. Someday this podcast will rival Mr. Beast. Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that probably means we need to bring out some merch. Give us a shout and we'll, yeah, we'll have sure, a, yeah. a look at some. You guys and design team are, are hard to get hold of. The last three, four months have just been horrendous. <laughs> we... Yeah. have not had time to do anything and it's constant like when jason's off it all falls to me so everybody's pinging me and i'm like no leave me alone i have 30 things to do today if you've got no time you don't have any time for the shoot shoot designers code debate i like coding like i have a little bit of experience coding in my previous job i was php wordpress guy and i think that's kind of why i really wanted to work for instill I, I love code and I was the niche Cody guy in an art school so if we had to build a website everybody came to me like can you help can you help and yeah I love doing it so absolutely yeah cool should you let developers write front-end code it depends <laughs> there are guys that are very very strong back-end but don't have an eye for front-end at all like it's it's definitely a skill that somebody can acquire but Choose your words carefully because it's I me know. doing a lot I of know. it. <laughs> doing a lot of the work on our team at the minute, trying to make your vision a reality. Yeah, <laughs> and you're doing it. You guys are smashing it, like. Yeah, but a lot of developers look down on people who write HTML and CSS and JavaScript and go, not proper developers. Yeah. There's so much in that, the whole semantic stuff and the accessibility stuff and the making it work on multiple browsers stuff and the performance stuff. It just is. It's a lot more complicated than people let on. Absolutely, I would yeah, completely agree. Totally. It's a fascinating challenge because of all of these like dependencies and stuff that don't necessarily play ball cross platform and it's I love it like I don't really get a chance to do it a whole lot anymore but I do still love it. It's funny like as you say like how how fractured it is. It's it's so annoying whenever you like because uh, I'm just you know I'm just uh, developing away with Chrome open and then. Someone will be like, hey, there's a bug because Firefox does this differently. And then I'll open it up my phone and like Safari and Chrome, my phone do it another completely different way. And it's like, please, give me this return. Yeah, like, just one just one true browser for everyone, please. Someday this stuff will be standardized. I have my fingers crossed, mm -hmm. but we'll see. <laughs> but it never will. It never will. There was a, a link that Neil shared about somebody telling a story of being in a job center in London and catching a glance of somebody browsing a website on a PlayStation Portable or a some some game system that had a terrible browser and, and she needed it 
to access information about her benefits and it was the only thing she had you're always going to be faced with those situations where there's somebody who who doesn't have the latest and greatest and so we need to be able to support them and it is an edge case of an edge case but i think it's important that developers especially keep that in mind that there will always be these weird edge cases of of people using 20 year old technology to access modern websites back in the day we had a technique called cutting the mustard where you applied a test there was a couple of javascript apis that were enabled in the browser so if you could verify that that was supported in the browser then you knew that your browser cut the mustard and was good enough for the advanced experience. And if it failed that test, if it didn't cut the mustard, then you give it just the plain HTML version, which was a very nice way of segmenting your audience into everyone who gets access, but only the people who've got a good enough browser get the really good stuff. Mm -hmm. But it means that you've got to essentially double the amount of work you do. And I think that's a good thing about responsive web design these days, because I remember the days of mobile versions of websites like everything was prefixed with m dot it was like m dot facebook.com i was like no go away just give me one standard experience across everything and so i think responsive web design is a godsend the the guy that came up with it is called ethan marcotte and he is fantastic and yeah completely support it yeah so the topic here about joining an engineering-led company and then trying to shift it how, how, how are you trying to shift the perspectives where, where do you want us to be and how are you getting us there? It's tough to say where I specifically want us to go, but uh, Nielsen Norman Group, who are this big, massive UX collective, they have this thing called the UX maturity scale. And it's like one to eight on how ready and how accepting your company is of a UX process. And I think looking at it, we would fit in like one or two. We are very immature. And me and Jason are trying to push us into that more product thinking and Emma's trying to push us that way. But I think it's going to take a lot for the company in a broader sense to accept it. Yeah, I, I think it's important. We need to get that product focus or the design focus or the user focus without losing our technical ability. Yeah, 100%. It's very difficult to balance and I would agree. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting time to join. And still, because like why during this time last year, whenever we just started working with uh, like undisclosed client, and that was our first sort of foray into full-on product management and sort of trying to deliver a product from end to end before we were used to taking up an engineering problem, solving the engineering problem in, a, in like a solid way. And that was, I think, where still has built this brand. And now we're trying to shift into product, which is a completely different beast because you've got so many different workflows. And you've got to set up a different set of infrastructure for it because it is more than just uh, how can we build an API that's useful and performant at taking account user like user feedback and user studies, all those different peripheral decisions that make a product successful or not. Uh, sometimes it comes down to like performance stuff, like is one thing faster than the other, and sometimes it comes down to how does the product feel. Um, I also think Instill's in a really interesting position as a consultancy that wants to do product management because you still have to take a certain amount of lead from the client because ultimately like they're the ones that we need to keep happy but at the same time we want to deliver a product from end to end so it's an interesting point in the value chain to sit on i feel but if we could get it right then it's like 
pretty revolutionary stuff, it seems. Yeah. And I think right now we're experimenting and trying to figure out what works specifically for us. And once we know that, everything's going to click and it, it'll all work. But until we reach that stage, then I think there are still some things that we could improve on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All we're doing here is making it really explicit that we're going to think about what the customer needs are and do that development in a way that allows us to deliver the something that they need faster so yeah it shouldn't scare us because it's just agile development but it's just it's not code so therefore it does scare us and and i think that's what scares a lot of people is, is like it's not something that can be solved just with code it's it's looking at the wider picture and that maybe frightens some people <laughs> fear is good fear is good agreed fear keeps you on your toes yeah wall, wall street bets Shall we talk about Wall Street banks? Oh man, so hard to. Oh, it's, it's distracted me from work so much the last know, couple of days. It's been absolute madness. Like I don't know how anyone's getting anything done. <laughs> I'm just kicking myself that I didn't stick money in it two weeks ago when people started talking about it. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> I think the funny thing is that it's GameStop at the middle of it. Which, like, you know, two months ago, if you asked anyone, do you think GameStop's going to be around in a year's time? They would be like, no. I mean, like, retail in general and specifically game stores are dying. And now it's like they've got like a $25 billion market cap because a group has just decided to collectively just align themselves behind this one stock and just put it into the stratosphere to just kind of shine a light on hedge funds and how corrupt it all seems. It's nuts. I, I love it. I love watching from the sideline and seeing all the drama. It is class. But yeah. I think it's going to have long-reaching ramifications. Like, there are going to be investigations and court cases and everything. And it's going to be fascinating to watch play out because I think this stuff has been simmering for a long time. It's great to watch. <laughs> I think it's funny because it's almost like an echo of what's happening in other parts of the world. So the internet arrived and democratized access to news. And so the gatekeepers of news, as in the old newspapers, lost their control to the audience. Anybody could spin up a newspaper, anybody could spin up an ad platform. And so uh, the gatekeepers of that lost it. And it feels to me a little bit like that's what's happening here as well. Yeah. I think it's a lot of people just venting their frustration, especially given the last year. We've just seen how people at the very top, it's, this sort of stuff doesn't affect them. And I think, yeah, like as you said, people just want to vent their frustration at the market and not hedge funds and not what they perceive as, or what they see is just this class of people that are just making money off other people's backs. And, you know, you look at like 2008, whenever they basically crippled the worldwide economy and they just got bailed out of it and it was business as usual. Whereas, you know, if people, really like actual people, managed to, you know, fumble up their portfolios. Like they don't have a government behind them to bail them out. And I think it's still a lot of people are just frustrated with the whole system. Yeah. How much of this is because everyone's in lockdown and they're at home and it's January and it's dark and they're depressed and they've got nothing to do. And they got a six hundred dollar stimulus check to <laughs> burn. Where's our stimulus checks? That's what I wanna know. Well, they, they were going to give us high street vouchers. I Was it not like £200 per household or something? Yeah. And yeah. nothing ever came off it? So I think the Northern Ireland Assembly got the money for it and then didn't spend it. Obviously because, well, we can't go to the high street because it's yeah. locked down. I suppose it's it's one of those things where they want it reinvested in local economy, but 
if you were just to give people money, they go straight on and buy stuff on uh, on Amazon. They would. Although everything on Amazon's rubbish these days. It is. It's all it's all cheap stuff coming from overseas. I've noticed that myself. I think it's like they sell everything, but because they sell everything, they've got no class. You know, there's like there needs to have like a an editorial voice that says this is good and there needs to be some sort of curation or something going on because it's all just trash a lot of it's like drop selling as well so like drop selling is like so you know like alibaba so you can basically just get anything made in china and you can just stick a label on it and call it yours so drop selling is just being like i'm gonna put my name on a cafetiere and get them imported from china for like three dollars a unit and then just ship it to an amazon distribution center Stick it, like, stick the link on it, and sell all of those for like ten dollars each. So you yourself haven't actually made a product or really marketed it. You can just get some company to ship it to an Amazon distribution center and make money. So you never see it. Yeah, you never see it. Free money. <laughs> I'm really into mechanical keyboards to show minor credentials, and there's a whole lot of lacking <laughs> on too. Like you can browse through pages and pages of mechanical keyboards on Amazon and it's all from the same original equipment manufacturer like and it's just a different brand name that someone stuck on and is selling it's it's mad how these people get away with it but the thing you're talking about Ross like you scroll through TikTok and you see these guys and then they're like buy my course and I'll show you how to do that and that's where they're making their money <laughs> they're not making their money off off drop selling at all it's dumb people and gullible people buying into this and thinking this is going to make me rich and it never works well (laughs) (laughs) on that cheery note (laughs) let's find something positive to talk about (laughs) we haven't even got to the january blues (laughs) talking point we're already down in the dumps let's let's not do that this is going to be our refrain for uh, all the podcasts is checking in to see whether we're all okay and and how we feel we're going to cope going back to the office whenever it happens which i'm guessing will be i'm gonna i'm gonna guess september i'd hope so i've never been in the office i really you've never been in the office i've never been in the office i've worked did you interview well i did interview but i didn't interview in the office jason called me in for a chat after uni one day and was like we we've got a job coming up i think you should apply for it and we chatted for a bit but like i've never been in the office officially never interviewed in the office or anything Work for still for eight months and never been in the office. And I was I was only in the office myself about seven or eight weeks before we were locked down, if even. So I joined the twentieth of January last year. So it only been yeah, seven, eight weeks maybe. Well yeah, so that'll be interesting then. So given that you you two have all virtually no office experience within still when when we do go back, you'll have an opportunity to change the culture of the office because you'll not have experienced what the old one was like. I've never really been in a big office. My last company was six people in the top floor of a shed, so it's going to be it's going to be a bit of a shock. So you both really want to get back to the office? Absolutely, yeah. But you've never been in the office really. Never been so in, no. So what is it about office work that that most makes you want to go back to it? I think for me, I'm an extrovert. I like being around people and I think it's just camaraderie and crack in the office that I really want to experience because I just miss people. Yeah, it'd be the same for me. Like it's it's everything around. It's, it's all the little things about being in the office that are around being in the office. So it's being able to like jump out and grab a cup of coffee, uh, like wee bits of sort of water cooler sort of chat, you know, like being able to finish the week and go to the pub on a Friday. Um, 
as much as it is because I do I feel just as productive probably if not more productive from home but yeah it's all the social the social interactions you kind of miss I think it's being able to to listen in on other people having interesting conversations uh, <laughs> because I'm a trainer I don't I don't spend all day working with code I do but it's you know stuff that's been done before and I'm just kind of reproducing it yeah so so to learn new things you have to listen in to people the the slack channel has been good for that where people are dropping in interesting links and stuff but it'll be good to be able to to kind of get the buzz of interesting creative work being done i think is what i'm looking forward to i think i'm just missing people i'm just missing being able to go outside and oh man (laughs) it's been a year is there not an office north belfast for you to go and have a walk around the park and the coffee I don't drive and I live on the end of road so those guys always meet up in elsewhere and by the time I would get a bus there and stuff I'd be probably too late. Because Office Moira has become a, a bit of a hub oh. so we've got people coming from Lurgan and uh, and Hillsborough tend to come over to, to Moira for a walk when we're allowed to. That's actually been great. We've been really enjoying being able to see that there are other people who exist and that they've got legs. <laughs> uh, rather than just head and shoulders yeah. <laughs> my wardrobe consists entirely of hoodies and sweats now there are no shirts no jeans no nothing it's just hoodies and sweats i've started wearing a shirt on a friday to make it feel like a party day oh yeah <laughs> dress up fridays are going to be a thing i think i'm i'm so into that let's do it because we've all been locked down whenever we go back to the office we have an opportunity to reset our personal wardrobe yeah if you haven't worn a monocle and a tweed jacket <laughs> there's an opportunity now when we go back uh in 2021 to to wear that i wish i could get away with that my sense of style hasn't evolved in 15 years i'm, I'm 28 now and i still dress like i'm a 13 year old skater boy so it's great fun though.